This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 9, The People Who Play Twilight Imperium, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Promise me a bit. Start introing. Oh, okay. Uh, so, guys, As welcome we to. Go on, oh no. We remember oh, God. all the times oh, we oh, dear. had together. Oh, man. And as our oh, lives man. Oh, change, dear. Oh. whatever, uh, we'll still be playing uh, Twilight man. Imperium forever. I'm not going to play Twilight Imperium forever. Forever, Hunter. Not forever. Today on Space Cats Peace Turtles, we're taking a look back. Join us. Hunter and I are sitting here each with a cup of tea, and we want to take you on a journey. I feel like I've been pretty silly in the intros <laughs> for the past episodes, which makes me feel like I have brought this. You brought upon... me. You gave me some energy. I wanted yeah, to bring and to now, the table. Uh, and now, no, here's now the you've thing. inflicted that here's upon the, the entire We've audience. We've talked about so much strategy the past many weeks now. Mm-hmm. Too and much, honestly. I think it. Uh, you know, honestly, I, that's the point I want to make right now. Mm-hmm. Is there is something about Twilight Imperium where it is not just a strategy game mm-hmm. and i think that is something where when people get at us the most about like get more specific about a strategy or like they come up with these really specific ideas and you and i both kind of shrug or roll our eyes it is because we're not rolling our eyes well, we've never not rolled our eyes not rolling our eyes but we shrug it off and we kind of like disagree and it's because i think to us more than anything Twilight Imperium is a thematic game it is a game that invokes feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and we do not play it to um, with the sole purpose of winning. Yeah, we want, we we play when we're in it. We're gonna win. We want to win it, but it is not the whole point of the game. At the end of the game, if we didn't win, I think almost always we still enjoyed every second of the game, and we're we're always like excited for whoever did win because hopefully they did it in a cool way. So we want to take a look back today, and mm-hmm. we want to kind of explore. Um, where we started with Twilight Imperium, um, the types of people we've played with over the years. This is this is all a part of our retrospective look back at Twilight Imperium Third Edition. Uh, there's officially a, re- a release date. This is, Ooh, is gonna... this our first time to talk. This about is our this? first time to talk about that. This will come out on November seventh or the ninth, and Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition will be released on November sixteenth. November sixteenth. We're not even really two weeks away. Yep. Well, no, we're just out. No, yeah. And we've got our first play date set in the books, which is... Two episodes from now. Yeah. We'll have this week's episode, then Mm -hmm. we'll have next week's episode, uh, where we'll kind of get some user-submitted memories, and then we'll have played it. We'll have played Twilight Imperium 4. Wow. After 10 episodes, we'll be finally in it. Mm-hmm. So and then it'll be really worthless. And then, the then, then it'll actually have and a then podcast. You should really start listening. <laughs> I want to start before we ever even played it. Yeah. When do you remember caring about Twilight Imperium? Well, there was a period I remember where, um, and I'm going to start bringing up some of the supporting characters because you're yes. going to get a, you're going to get to know a lot of the people that we played um, Twilight Imperium with. Yeah. But there was a period where me and Sean spent like a lot of time at my computer in my room and we were just trying to find like a grand strategy yeah. game. We had been really into Axis and Allies right. for a long time. In fact, that was one of the things that brought us together yeah. as a group was Sean, playing Axis and Allies. Sean and I went to college together uh, and we played Axis and Allies fairly regularly with um, groups of people uh, at Then you guys college. have like a room where you would just set it up yes. and play throughout the we week. Would have it, we would have it all weekend set up and we would come back to it and we would play incredibly long games of the 50th anniversary edition of Axis and Allies. Mm-hmm. And there was a period where I was specifically trying to find something to replace Axis and Allies. Yeah, because Axis and Allies... Towered up, yeah, it has up. a lot of problems, a mm-hmm. lot of really big problems. And what we were always dreaming of was something that was more dynamic and something more thematic and something where we could... What we always wanted was to be able to break up 
the Axis and the Allies. We were mm-hmm. always like, but what if Russia Yeah, we wanted bailed? more mechanics. If, yes. We wanted more mechanics built in the game. And sometimes we would even do that. Yeah, like we, we would, would just like, insert them where they didn't belong. Yeah, and we didn't, I mean, I don't know. Like, we had we had kind of discovered the board game revolution that was happening. Yes. The renaissance of, like, great board games coming out of everywhere. And we were playing stuff, but we weren't playing anything like Axis and Allies. No. Axis and Allies was still kind of the only game in that genre yeah. that we had. Um, so yeah, me and Sean spent some time looking at different stuff. I remember there was a Lord of the Rings game, the War like of the Ring, War of the Ring. It's a, yeah, it's another. I've actually never played game. it, right. um, and I remember I was like, that was my vote. I was like, I think we should do this. But I had seen Twilight Imperium mm-hmm. as an option. It was that, and then I was also looking at a game called Eclipse, yes, which is another which is the game. Big I comparison, never yeah, the big to comparison TI. to Ti. So I knew you guys were talking about all these games so much and you guys showed me the tom vassal dice tower review of twilight imperium Mm -hmm. and i remember for me here's what's funny i've changed a lot as a gamer uh, because during our axis and allies days i was the least competent least confident player at the table i i often would play as like america and just kind of let one of the other players coach me through how to do stuff and i Mm -hmm. just kind of let them strategize for me and i was their hand Mm -hmm. you know to to their brain um and so when i was watching all the stuff about twilight imperium a lot of it just kind of went over my head and i was like not especially interested in it um but i knew i wanted some something to replace access and allies and we were getting into more and more other board games out you know easier quicker board games and then i was out of town and i happened into a game store and up on the top shelf was a copy of twilight imperium third edition and it was discounted um it was only going to cost me 60 dollars, and i said i don't yeah i don't know if this chance they were having a sale like randomly that weekend um and i said i don't think i'm ever going to have this kind of opportunity again necessarily Mm -hmm. and so i just did it i just jumped on it and i bought it um with being probably the least interested person in it out of all of our friends Mm -hmm. um brought it home Took a picture and sent I it to everybody. I was so surprised and everyone, when you sent me that picture. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, I, I, I just was, yeah, I was really surprised. You, I mean, you were, I was not the type. No, you really weren't. That's so funny. I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. But Twilight Imperium really, like, you, yeah, you changed so much. completely changed me. To, to Twilight Imperium. You took to it so much. Yeah. And I think it... If someone had really explained to me what, because I sort of knew what Twilight Imperium was yeah. before we got it, you know, I, I remember, knew what kind of game it was. I remember years before we got it, mm-hmm. um, our other group of friends, you know, just our our um, old our old video game friends, our oh, Dota our, buddies, our, really our Halo nerd, buddies, yeah, nerd, our super nerdy, nerdy friends. friends, they were all wanting to get into board games, and I remember us having a post on our kind of group chat forum thing of like, here's a list of board games we should try, and I. After having played it for like a year, I remembered that list and I remember Twilight Imperium being on it. So it's something uh, that was like in the periphery. Yeah. Years it was like orbiting ago. our yeah. lives without being right. in the center of it. Exactly. Until um, November of 2013. Now that's going to surprise some of you because that's... Last week we kind of made reference to we got it late in the game. That's super late in the game. We've mm-hmm. only been playing Twilight Imperium for four years. That's, mm-hmm. I'm honestly, as, a, as the... Turn it off. Co- Just turn it off. I know. As Get the co-creator <laughs> of a Twilight Imperium podcast, people are probably insulted that you and I have only been playing Twilight Imperium mm-hmm. for four years. Mm-hmm. Because there are people that have been playing since first edition. Yeah. And they are much more well-versed in the game than we are. Mm-hmm. But we got so obsessed so quickly mm-hmm. that it was the only thing on our minds for... Really, it was the only thing on our minds for a solid year. We were playing twice a week, at least once a week, for sure. Honestly, it was like the more and more I think about that year, like the second we realized that it all really went down in 2014, yeah. like really, like when we were like super obsessed playing all the time, I realized that Twilight Imperium was like like my light at the end of a dark mm-hmm. tunnel because that was actually a really dark year for me. That was the year that I moved to Korea right. and it failed and I had to come back. Yep. Like there were lots of things that happened in my life that were, I would like, you know, I was having that graduate phase, yes. you know, like the movie. Yeah, we had graduate. both just graduated college, and we didn't was... know what to do with our lives. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like, yeah, I just was. I was working at a restaurant, yeah. and that's it. And I had no real plans. Right. Like, I knew I wanted to start doing stand-up comedy, and I was doing it like very, very little, like yeah. just here and there. Yeah. 
Sean and I were starting our uh, our work lives in the film community, which in Arkansas was sparse, so we would be on a job, but then we would have lots and lots and lots of downtime between jobs, <laughs> yeah. where literally, you know, we, we would have a month off, and it was just like, all right, we're going to fill... <laughs> 50% of those days with Twilight Imperium. Oh, man, so many games. I yeah. mean, we would play all day, and there were times when we would just play again the next day. Yeah. Like, we had yeah. back-to-back Twilight Imperium days. Like, it was, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was really filling kind of a hole in mm-hmm. our lives for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad now that we have made, like, I'm not saying it was unhealthy. It was a great thing. No. Like yeah. It was, it was, it was perfect was timing, perfect really. perfect time in our lives yeah. to be doing that. And, you know, like, it was a great way to spend that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like now that we are more developed as people. We're not so lost now, sure. and we can still play you know what? Imperium. I wish we could play it more often. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> me too. If only we were more lost yeah. like we were then. So what we quickly learned um, was that Twilight Imperium is not a normal board game. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first night we sat down, I, I got back from my trip. It was it was the like third movie I ever worked on. I came, I got back like a week after buying it. So there was just all this anticipation of me having it in my possession for like a week, but not getting to do mm-hmm. anything with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as soon as I was back, like the next day we scheduled a game, but we didn't know what we were getting into because we had heard it was supposed to be kind of a long game, but also the box said, what, one to two hours, yeah, two we, to three we hours. we played long games before right access and allies is a long game but we didn't know twilight imperium was supposed to be a super when we were looking at the components i thought there's no way this is longer than access and allies because access and allies is very cumbersome with lots of moving parts and a huge setup alone takes yeah i mean it's yeah there's so much to read like all the starting units and everything so we sat down at probably 8 p.m., 9 p.m., <laughs> thinking, yeah, let's knock one out. A little let's, night. let's learn. Let's none of us having ever played this game before. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who's read the rule book. No one else is going to read the rule book. I just have to explain the rules to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, let's it was dive sloppy. in. It was. I remember. Boy, how like, I think we maybe did two rounds. Yeah. Um, because of course, as as tends to happen with Twilight Imperium, you start playing, you get a little bit in, and then people are like. You know, I do have work in the morning. Yeah. And you kind of decide that you're going to cut the game short. There at a was uh, point. someone in our group, what, Chris? Yeah. Uh, who we never played with again. Right. Uh, who I think just kind of once we, once he realized what he was in for, he was just like, I, no, yeah. no, hard, yeah. no, hard pass for forever. Uh, and yeah, but that was our first game included first someone game. who was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't want to do this. Um, I know I um, played as the Mentac Coalition mm-hmm. for our very first game. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing with them, but the idea that I was going to get to steal trade goods was enticing, even though I didn't fully comprehend... I mean, we knew we knew what the intent of trade goods was going to be, and we knew that trade goods were this malleable resource that gets to kind of float around the board. But I don't think we understood how often you would be getting it. So, you know, just basically, I think every power, when you first read a TI3 faction, when you read that power, you think it's going to be way more powerful than it is. Mm-hmm. Which is probably something we've been guilty of just with TI4, reading oh, race probably, sheets. is yeah. like we think of the powers as like what the race is but as many people have pointed out like that's not the only thing you know what makes a good race is starting with like the exact right tech and the what starting units they mm-hmm. have and then you can maybe start to consider what powers that they actually you know specifically have yeah i um, I, I like what you just said about we pro- we probably have done that with ti4 yeah. and like We've that's overplayed why I, it's just what excites people first it's the mm-hmm. very first thing that anyone jumps on is like ooh, they get to do this there's wacky no way thing. to avoid it yeah. i think i mean i think people in the community have a similar problem with finding a very specific tactic yeah. that they are really into right that almost feels like I don't know, in a very gamey, like almost video yes. gamey sense, it's like, oh, I figured out this I'm great do combo. This, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I think sometimes people get too excited about those specific yes. tactics to where it like almost, they become a little myopic in their own play. Right. And they're right. not just like, yeah, it's better. I feel like versatility is our key word yeah. when it comes who did to you, Who did you play as? I played as the X-Cha Kingdom. Mm. And let's see so i actually um for this episode have interviewed a couple yeah. of our uh players in our group and uh the only the only person i've interviewed that was in our first game was uh, our friend sean who we've already talked about a little bit yes and he played as the sardak nor or as you'll hear him call it 
Just the simple bug farmers. Just a simple bugman. Just a simple bugman farming moisture. Yeah, and I think that uh, <laughs> I think that for me, I um, I played the like I think we picked our races the first time we we played because I remember being like I want to play the turtles. Yeah, I don't I don't think I remember picking the Mentac, but maybe I did. I don't know. It may have been just th- a random. I feel like pick. we picked the yeah. first time because I we also didn't really you know we didn't know where to start sure. with it at all, sure. and we only had the base game by the way. Um, yeah. and so yeah, I I picked the extra because I was just really like obviously I was really excited about the political parts, and they seemed like yeah the, the most political, political race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh I don't think we got far enough for there to be any space no. battles or no. anything really. I mean. Um, but it was only a couple days later that we got to put another game in. I mean, it was within the same week that we played our second game. I almost feel like it was like the next day because in those days it we def- were. It was not the next day, but mm-hmm. it was. It could have been two days later. Yeah. Um. But, uh, we gathered around to play it again. We brought a couple new people in that had been wanting to play it with us. Our buddy Trent mm-hmm. joined us for that game, and um, we actually got a. I would say a full game in. I don't remember. It's hard to remember. If you finish every game, because so often games, you know, finish with like, well, let's call it there. That mm-hmm. person's going to win, especially with base game TI3 mm-hmm. because of the whole rotating Imperial card. You could look like we've said before, you could look ahead a couple rounds and see, oh, that that person is not going to we're not going to be able to stop right. him, pull him down a peg and they're going to get those two points. And we were playing with two. that. Yeah. I think I think it did end. It just was kind of like, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's done now. Yeah. Um, that I'm pretty sure we played that game in a kitchen. Fun yes, fact, we did. Yeah, just it, butted and, up against all the shelves, and, and it was drawers. really odd. Yeah. But it was the only pl- like space we could find mm-hmm. to play the game on such short notice. Yeah, and it was at Trent's house. I think yes, it, it was. was one of the few times that I went to Trent's house. Um, who is? That's uh, there's not a whole lot to say about Trent as a player, uh, except for that he was. Uh, I in my uh, Sean mentioned this, and I also agree that Trent was a very grumpy player. He yeah. played like a grumpy old man, and if you if you attacked him, if you there were any problems, mm-hmm. he was going to grump at you, <laughs> which a lot of people do. I mean, I yeah, do. I get upset absolutely. when people, when, you know, it's a big game and it's, yeah. it's, a, I get emotionally connected to it and I get, but I don't get grumpy. I get sassy. Right. I get spiteful. Right. And you know what I think we learned in those first two games and then the first couple, a couple ones after that, we played a, I think within the first two weeks of starting to play it, I think we played about four times yeah. and Within those four games, I think we quickly, I think we quickly learned what it was we were dealing with, which is mm-hmm. because probably almost every single one of those games ended with not a great clear winner. No, like ooh, I pulled this off, and mm-hmm. that's what gave Mostly me the win. Mostly because of time, because Mostly we because still of time. couldn't like we just weren't allotting the amount right. of necessary time. But even within that, it became obvious that it was about the journey and not the end we would Mm -hmm. even though we would have games that would peter out and we didn't get to finish we would have so much fun in those first three or four rounds that there's no way we were going to stop playing it had even if a game ended with just like oh that guy completely ran away with it i think my third game no that second game Mm -hmm. i was the jolnar Mm -hmm. and we were still playing with the standard setup and i got completely i got like the worst pie slice i've ever had Mm-hmm. I probably had two resources outside of my home system. Ooh. I just got completely screwed over. And um, it was a terrible game. But mm-hmm. just because of everything that was happening on the board, mm-hmm. I was still having so much fun. And so I think what we learned there was that we were playing a game that was fun to dedicate an entire day to. Yes. Even though we didn't always have a full day to dedicate to it, or we didn't always want the game to go on for nine hours, the point of Twilight Imperium to us was, we're going to sit down, we're going to take our time with this, and we're going to just like enjoy every single second of it. Yeah. As opposed to, I don't know, something like you know, you sit down to play Pandemic, you're going to you're gonna knock out that game of Pandemic, and Maybe you'll play another one or like one night, you know, we've, we've had nights of playing one night Ultimate Werewolf where we played it 30 times in a row. That is what is so similar about that game to Twilight Imperium to me, because our group always got very, very into the metagame stuff. And mm-hmm. that's why Twilight Imperium works so much for us. And that's why we don't put so much onus on these like super specific turn by turn strategies, because we have always accepted that within our player group, 
everything above the board is what's more important to what's going on how are people going to react to what you're doing how are you are you going to piss somebody off by this specific action that you're taking and more often than not the answer was like yes and it's not worth doing that i mean there were there were very very real emotions that would happen with twilight totally totally oh god like yeah there there were games of like i mean i can remember me and you i think our general pattern i think we generally get upset at each other at least once a game absolutely um but it it always just it tends to it, it's like a round right. it's like one whole round for me and then one whole round for you and so many times it's so funny i can think of this happening so many times um it will be uh that we have to fight each other right at a certain point and we do there's you know, some dirty deeds that's done and then basically afterwards in fact this happened in the most recent game we played yeah. it's like all right well i got what i needed from you and you pleasure doing mo- business yeah, with exactly you. <laughs> it just becomes yeah. like a well in um, the moment you're furious but like the second you get away from it you just go oh, that was fun that was because good. you have to still play forward you yes. can't like i mean that and some people play this way but like i have to always play to win i have to yes. always go after the victory points and at a certain point revenge isn't going to get me vps right. like right it, i can't stay it only mad. goes so far yeah. so there is a point where i'm like i'm upset i'm annoyed yeah. I like my plan or whatever has been ruined. Right. I make, I finally pull myself back together and I make a new plan. Yes. And, you know, I would love for that plan to always be like, and I blow up Matt's game right. as well. But generally speaking, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, and, and I think what's interesting about that point is that I don't think every player is that way. And that's kind of the other beauty of Twilight Imperium is you can have lots and lots of different play styles and people going for different goals mm-hmm. and still enjoying it and they don't all necessarily take away from the game that much you've got players like me and i would say our other friend alex yeah. uh, we both play very very uh victory point focused and also very methodically mathy. and very mathy very mathy um as opposed to you play victory point focused but I think you are more focused on... I'm, I'm a little more focused on the meta yes, politics of the game. Exactly. And reading players as people. Right. And less... Uh, yeah, I would say that when it comes to the mathy side of things, I mean, like, I'm generally fast, which means sometimes I will miss a detail. Right. And that definitely, yeah. that definitely happens because I'm not willing to... I, I'm not a min-maxer, so not I min-maxer, can't do that level. Right. But see, sometimes, though, it goes both ways. Because I feel like sometimes I'll miss something in my approach. And the other times, I feel like computer Matt, robo-Matt, will crunch too many numbers yeah. to where... I break down. He, he, and then and then you'll miss something because you crunch so many numbers mm-hmm. that you can't see the thing right in front of your yes, face. Absolutely. You know? yeah. that Both of those... Both approaches have their downsides. Yes, yeah. Um, and then we've got other, you know, we've, we've got all these different kind of characters that we've, we've played with over the years. And it's interesting to hear them talk about what they're trying to achieve when they play Twilight Imperium. Mm-hmm. Um, things like just wanting to play it because they enjoy playing it and never focusing on victory points. Uh, yeah, I was, I don't know about you, but I was kind of surprised in thinking about how many people there were in yeah. our group that talked about not being super victory point focused yeah and what's interesting though is that that caught us both off of like that caught us both by surprise so much because when you play against them even though i think it is true definitely that like you me and alex have won the most games out of everyone for sure for sure Um, multiple people we've talked to have said they don't they've never won a game or Mm -hmm. they've maybe won one ever but Someone like that can be in a game and be doing what they do so well that it's still putting kinks in your plan and it's still affecting you to where you're still strategizing around them even though they're not specifically pushing for the victory. I think I've seen people online get very... vocal about how they think it's it's almost offensive to them that like everyone wouldn't be playing to win. And there's a difference between playing to win and playing with no goals in mind right at all. or being like a vacant player which right. these pe- th- they're not no not at all they have goals but their goals are just not necessarily victory points their goals are these other things sean specifically is a player 
who I think he sells himself a little short he though does. because he like I can remember many times Sean being like in a heated point Absolutely. of like being like second or first or whatever yeah. and it being like oh right, right. like I think sometimes in remembering these games, like these guys are thinking that they didn't really incorporate that as much as they did. But to his credit, Sean is a, um, Sean plays a lot of grand strategy video games. He plays Europa Universalis 4 and he plays Mm -hmm. Crusader Kings 2. He plays these games that, um, similar to like when I used to play Axis and Allies, I turn those games on and my brain gets a little bit fried because it's just so much going on that i can't quite process everything and i've never taken the time to learn every iteration of it and sean plays twilight imperium like that like how he plays those games which is just i want to think of every possible thing i could do and i just want to do that i just Mm -hmm. want to go for you know he sets goals outside of the goals of the game Mm -hmm. um He's also very good as a player. I would say Sean is very good at seeing a potential opening on himself and closing holes. Generally, I would say Sean is the person at the table that I never felt I could take him by surprise, which was great because it always like if if you keep a check on him, like you don't leave any openings for him, he won't leave any openings for you. And basically you just have a ceasefire. You just have like a little DMZ. This is never really going to happen. Yeah because we're just too we've 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 built up a border that is ridiculous looking right and we do we do that and then basically you can trust sean to be your friend as long as you don't leave anything exposed basically the flip side to that is my experience with sean which has been my experience with sean my entire life of knowing him (laughs) uh sean hunter and i have all known each other a very long time very long time and Part of that relationship has always been that I am this kind of mathy person that gets in my own head a little bit. And if something disturbs that, if something tries to, to pester my thought process, I, I fly off the chain a little bit. Not, not, too, ang- not too mean, but definitely mm-hmm. explosively. And, I, and I, I get huffy and puffy. And boy, Sean loves... He to make me huff and puff. Mm-hmm. And there have been plenty of games, outside of even just Twilight Imperium, there are games where Sean's sole purpose is to see how far he can push me, specifically. For sure. Um, or, or even more so, there are games where Sean accepts that he's not going to win, or maybe that he doesn't even want to win, but he wants no one to win. Yes. He wants to keep everyone from having a satisfied victory. Which isn't like... I mean, the way you're framing it makes it sound like, I don't know, like playing against the other players, if you can do it effectively, can be a good strategy if you can't see a path to victory for yourself. Because as long as you're slowing down the entire game, maybe you'll find a new road down, you know, especially with the progressive nature of Twilight Imperium. That's the thing. And I think Sean mentioned this, that for him, it's about keeping his opportunities open. He wants to master his position on the board and get the victory points as they come to him Mm -hmm. rather than overextending to get a point that might put him in a bad position. Yeah. He wants to make sure his pie slice is always perfect. I think his Achilles heel could be that resting on trying to stay so versatile that to the point where you're not really making any strong, super strong choices or like he makes strong choices, but not necessarily always for the points is what we're trying to say. Like he's a strong player, but not, as like i mean me and matt have both i think the sign of uh, a twilight imperium player that really is playing for vps is that win where you have like where you lost everything but you just got that last point like those are my favorite end of twilight imperium games where like you went for it and you saw your path to those vps and everyone else saw it too but it was too late and they destroyed all your stuff but it didn't matter because you got that last point right the kind of opposite of that almost would be um, someone like EJ. Mm-hmm. EJ, we, we started playing with later uh, down the road. Um, he was kind of a part of the the second iteration of our friends we played with. We started with Sean and Trent and a few people in that circle, and then we kind of discovered these other guys who it was also owned the game. It was another group who were playing, and we said, you guys are only ever able to get games of three or four together we're only ever usually able to get games of three or four together but with our powers combined yeah, and then it was a paradise of like yes. having so many people yeah. available to play all the time yes. like it we could play any night of the week yeah. if we wanted to. um and ej was the kind of player who 
um, similar to Sean where he wouldn't necessarily be going for victory points, was also not necessarily aggressive. I mean, if you looked at the board and you looked at games with EJ, you would just say, oh, he's just a bad player. Mm -hmm. He's just not very good at the game. Um, And is probably true. Yeah, probably. I don't think he would disagree. At the same time... He was always fun to play with, and that's part of what Twilight Imperium still is. Is like, mm-hmm. as long as everyone's sitting around and you know drinking and having a fun time and like kind of getting into the roles, and um, you know, EJ was never manipulative for, or not manipulative. EJ was never just like in one person's pocket. Even mm-hmm. though he wasn't going for victory points, everyone would be trying to utilize EJ for their own gain, and he knew how to play that game. Yeah, he, he knew how really to never give that. anyone too much. It mm-hmm. was just like, okay, I'm not going to win this, but I'm not going to give you everything that you want. And that was fun just from that metagame perspective we've been talking about because there is still just this thing of we don't play Twilight Imperium um, just because we love the world of it or because we love the strategic decisions we love it because of the meta game we love mm-hmm. it because of the kind of trickery you have to get into and growing your abilities to lie to your friends mm-hmm. well i gotta say one thing about ej actually i for some reason and i don't have a whole lot of specific memories of this but i remember ej as being a little bit yeah, impulsive absolutely like there a lot of times a game with ej there would at least be one really crazy event that ej was at the center of that would happen he loves more than any other faction he loves the x cha kingdom yeah and i think that's what fits into that is because he loved to be a part of the political scenarios and probably some of the events you're talking about is he was the person going for influence over pretty much anything else because he wanted to be able to flip over the right political cards and completely control that dynamic, and he would put all of his political might into something that sometimes wouldn't benefit himself because, again, he wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. going for the victory, but he knew who was in the lead, and he knew how to screw them over. He's a great type of player to have in a game. Like, I can say that for sure because he will just kind of throw a wrench in the system at some point. And generally, it can be like a pretty unpopular decision, Mm -hmm. but it's really a decision that only he would make. Right. He's the Um, anti-kingmaker. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he he tears he down the person in the lead. He just that. can destroy the status quo yes. uh, pretty effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's yeah. I, I love EJ. He's great. Along with EJ, we played a lot with our good buddy Connor, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like everybody has something to say about Connor. Yeah, and he, it's because everybody has been in a situation with Connor that they were not happy with Connor. Mm-hmm. He's an aggressive neighbor who's mm-hmm. not good to be Connor's neighbor no. because he's going to play very aggressive, yes. hyper aggressive. Yeah. He, uh, I think he is going for victory points in mind, but I think he is also the type of player who is never afraid to not Threaten. leave enough behind. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to lash out and that is his priority over keeping defenses at home. So because of that, he is also an easy player to lash out against. If he swings at Hunter, he's going to leave my side available so I get to swing into him. And similar to me, Connor is very reactive and emotional. Mm -hmm. And so the two of us would definitely get into some huge spats because we didn't like being messed with. And why did you have to do that? And I remember so many conversations with Connor being a lot about why did you do that? I, I, I can't possibly see how that would have helped you. I cannot understand yeah, how yeah. that would be worth a victory point. Or There's no reason for you to have done that. And it makes me so... And just this like heightened intensity mm-hmm. between the two of us of just like, there's no fathomable way. And then the round would end and you would see what it was all about and you would go, yeah, God, okay, fine. Yeah, that, uh, that actually kind of brings up something in my head about myself as a player. I always feel like, and I think you have this exact same thing too and i can feel that i've said this to connor a million times when someone attacks you dramatically i feel like the thing i always say to them is like well i hope it got you some points because i'm gonna make this cost a lot (laughs) for you like this better be for a vp because this is gonna cost you a lot of money yes what you're doing right now yeah um yeah connor i would say is the most prone to spiteful 
Like, if you hit him hard enough where he even started to feel like maybe his game was going to go in the toilet, he would throw everything at you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, some de- depending on the game, it's kind of an effective, yeah. like, personality for the board. Because if people know that, like, You're gonna... if I, okay, if I have this skirmish with Connor... He might stop. Yeah, it might never stop. You might reconsider that. And this is what we're talking about, guys. Like that little nugget right there. Like that's the and and the fact that we got to play with Connor enough gave us the ability to develop that relationship and know that that was a tendency. So that is when Twilight Imperium gets its most delicious. Is Mm -hmm. like I'm playing with the same group I've played twelve times in a row. It's time to play against the player, not against. The faction it's literally we're literally talking like richard nixon madman theory <laughs> like that let them think that i'm crazy and that yes. i'm gonna press the button so that right. they don't attack me kind of thing like yes. literally that exact same dynamic is right. present in the way that connor plays at the board right. don't even oh man you, there's this one planet and if i take it from connor i'm gonna get the point but if I take a planet from Connor, he might throw Everything. his game in the yeah. toilet to yeah. destroy my game. You, you like might that have was to, a potential. Right. You would have to time it so that he was close enough in the lead. If if Connor was three points behind you, he's not a worthy target because he will do that. He will, he will throw he his will game go away. after if you. If he is neck and neck with you, maybe it won't be so bad for you because instead of just trying to target you, he knows he's in the race with you. I mean, so you'd have to time things like that. You would have to plan for his reaction. Yeah, you you have to kind of catch Connor at a time where his aggression is not going to... Or just like a time where he can't react yes. to you, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, be patient. <laughs> be patient. <laughs> so um, I think the next point is kind of the opposite of that, which is the <laughs> the least... Uh, reactive player yes. I think we've ever played with, yeah. which is our good friend Paul. Lovely Paul. Lovely Paul. Paul plays Twilight Imperium because he loves his friends <laughs> and because he wants to play games with them. And he's also, more than anyone I know, Paul is into space opera and Paul is into theme and yeah. Paul is into everything that Twilight Imperium is offering. He's maybe like the most, I don't know, I feel like artsy, like yeah. creative yes, type player. Yes. And so when he gets in there, his goal is almost never to win, and I mean that specifically. He doesn't care to win. He is more interested in setting up the story of what's going to happen on the board mm-hmm. to the point where he has done things in games purely because he knows what we will talk about it after the fact. Right. EJ has a great story of how he manipulated Paul. He would call it manipulating, but I think Paul Paul's not being manipulated. Paul... Just you're not knows getting where something he... over on yeah, Paul, but yeah. like if if you're going to win Paul... his favor, you have you need you some to sort play of his specific game. thematic. Yeah, exactly. He's not playing the same game that you're playing. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I would say out of everybody we've talked about, though, Paul is someone who, uh, and forgive me, Paul, uh, who is not all like. Sometimes I feel like his that attitude is can be a detriment to the game. Yeah. Everyone we've talked about, even if we've talked about them in kind of a context of like, oh, they're not like super competitive. Um. They are really when it yes. comes down to it. Uh, most of them are qu- are quite formidable. It's just like they have different kinks and different things that right. like make them a, a special player. Paul is the only player I have ever seen king make and and like and really do it, really like, do it. Like in the purest sense of the word, he was which just can like be so infuriating. I decided if you're not that, his king. Yeah, like, yeah, he's just decided that he wanted that person to win because he liked the way they've been playing or he liked what their story was yeah, so their far. story with him throughout the game yeah, like yeah. that that i mean paul is the type of player that could decide that your nations are codependent mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and that he is your vassal or right, something like that right like that is n- that is totally within his yeah. wheelhouse and so when you play against paul that's what you're playing against yes. is you have to figure out how do i keep <laughs> things interesting enough to be a viable candidate for paul's approval and uh, I I think that also is incredibly fun to do as oh, long as it sure. goes the as long as the game goes the right way. Um, if I've seemed grumpy about Paul at all, it is because I could tell you on with one hundred percent certainty I have never been the, the chosen ki- the chosen one for Paul. Like no, never. That has never happened. Yeah, I l- let's just say something in general about like there's we're talk we're trying to talk about like the different types of players in general, mm-hmm. and there is one type that I think should be mentioned 
and it's kind of like, and I don't necessarily want to name names, um, but in our history of playing mm-hmm. Twilight Imperium, we've mm-hmm. played with a lot of people that uh, have just tapped out on the game, and yeah. that's something that uh, that's part of it. Like Wait, you're going to meet people that because the game is prime for us, primarily mm-hmm. about themes and grand, long strategies that play out over multiple hours, and it's just this like. There's, a, there's not very much immediate reward to the game. Mm-hmm. The pleasure of Twilight Imperium comes the next day or or right after the game is finished when everyone does the thing where they said, if I had had one more round, I right. would have done this, and maybe I could have done this. And, like, it's all about the ideas. And I would say especially, you know, we talk about these huge arguments we've been in with other players. In I talk about it in fondness, but at the moment, it was very real anger and it was very real like bad emotions and so for some people those bad emotions are not fun and they will not look on them with fondness and and it's a game that doesn't work for those people Mm -hmm. um so i think if if this podcast were something you were sharing with someone that you wanted to get into the game and you have heard us talking about getting in arguments with other people and that doesn't sound fun to you yeah, Twilight Imperium probably is not no, the game not for, for you. you. Like it's it's gonna bring the those things yeah. out of you. It is. I promise the you, it will. Most confrontational thing I've ever done in my life. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I've been so livid at you. Yeah. Like so many times. Yeah. I think there was a time in Hunter's and I's relationship as friends that we we went going through like junior high and high school we would go back and forth between like being best friends and being like i don't want to talk to hunter for a very long time Mm -hmm. well it's that classic like it's like when you have some like it's like somebody in your family like you get half of the time you're like hating them right basically and when we finally had twilight imperium it almost solved all of that because we got to we we got to get those things out of our system i really like that point i've, I've never <laughs> thought about that is like i think yes yeah, since then our relationship has kind of just coalesced into a pretty chill yeah. like <laughs> like that it doesn't go through these waves of that because we get that emotional confrontation Ow. in the game like we get that's when we get it that's right. when we're working no no like somebody could be like oh hunter and matt you guys are getting way too upset yeah, like yeah. this is therapy this is what we need. like <laughs> we do this okay this is what we want yeah we played a game the other day with um a lot of people who didn't know me pretty much at all mm-hmm. um and knew hunter but definitely didn't know hunter i would say in in, in this context. context oh i'm sure they were like and so, so surprised when they saw hunter and i just bickering like children at each other just non-stop and very like in the way that like brothers yell at each other mm-hmm. of just like a, well that that's fine that's fine if you want to do that i don't care but i'm just i'm just saying that i think it's pointless and i think that you're stupid so and like <laughs> very real anger and they're all sitting at the table and i remember the energy being very kind of like uh should we what's go? happening what? yeah. i don't but to hunter and i that is thrilling oh and... no yeah that's like that's <laughs> part of the whole dude okay i'm sorry if you're gonna sit down and play this 10 hour game and not get um, your emotion into it then i don't know like what are you doing like are you really gonna just sit there and be so like tepid about when someone attacks you when someone takes yourself when someone's like going after your home system i don't know you should feel like this is a 10 hour investment you're making like you need to make this a part of your life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's, and, yeah, yeah. to that end, I think the other type of player that we've played with that doesn't get into it is the kind of player who only wants to play a thinky game. Um, yeah. TI3 is considered, like, probably the most Ameritrash game mm-hmm. of, of most board games, I would say. Why do you say... Why, I mean, why is that, though? Is it because it's like has all the complexities of a Euro game with, like, out... Yeah, without I being think, pure, I think like, Ti Three teases the idea in certain aspects of its components that it could be a thinky, mathy game. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into it, if you are that kind of player, you quickly realize that like you're not able to pull off the things you want to pull off because there's too many oh, other well, people in the way. Yeah, yeah, do, you can't do that. This right, time. Like, there's a yeah. dumb action card that just kind of randomly got thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I played a game not that long ago with someone who was getting just very, very turned off by the idea of all the random things that could happen to him. And it's like, how am I supposed to plan for all of those different things? And it's like, you're not. You're supposed to just... You just need to be prepared for anything. Um, This game's like life, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that I mean, that is honestly probably why it's so hard to get people as excited about it as Hunter and I are. You know, Hunter and I want to play it all the time, and it's very difficult to get 
people into that camp. There's people mm-hmm. that like, oh yeah, we can call them every once in a while and they'll want to play another game of it. But the people that like thirst for it are the ones that aren't here to play a thinky, too mathy game. I mean, we've described Alex and I as mathy players, but that is within the confines of also trying to read the other players. And yeah. and part of that math is if I build this war sun right now, who's going to yell at me and mm-hmm. who's not? I learned something about you as a player recently that I didn't actually know, uh, that you tell everyone everything that I tell you. I did not know that. We, are, that we have made this mistake recently. Um, Hunter and I are gearing up to play TI4 and we want to be able to create a lot of content um, for TI4. We want to make we want to make videos. We want to make let's plays and kind of behind the scenes looks at what happens with players. And in doing that, uh, we've been practicing on TI3 games, um, stuff that isn't good enough yet to like release in any capacity, mm-hmm. but just kind of getting our our feet wet with how to do this. And a lot of that has been doing behind the scenes interviews and uh, we record cams, and we, do we do diary cams and we also record every secret conversation that happens and then we watch them after the game and hunter has learned so much about i have the kinds of conversations i have with other players because i i lie to people in secret conversations i leave things out but i don't like i i always try and convince someone that i'm i'm their guy mm-hmm and you sell every secret someone tells you, yeah. and I didn't know that. You know what it is? It's not necessarily every secret. I choose the truths I want to disclose. Yeah, yeah. I don't tell everyone everything, but I, um, I want. It's almost similar to what you described. I want everyone to think I'm their guy. I, yeah. I gotta keep everyone on my side, so I just give them every bit of information I can, and that's also because I. I play in a way which is I accept every single possible reason someone might have for something. So I think there's been plenty of times in a game where I describe something I want to do and Mm -hmm. I say it's for this reason and then I always give the disclaimer, now you can believe that or not, but that's the reason I'm telling you why I want to do that. And most of the time I'm being truthful, like that is the reason I want to do it, but I know that with every interaction in TI there is someone is going to be like no you you're being slimy and i think it's not accurate to call me slimy it's it's more like yeah that's true i'm a lot of times in games though i have been in positions where i'm trying to paint you as slimy absolutely i try and make other people think that you're slimy i try and make other people think all kinds of things about other people during a and it works it works against me because people will see me trying to swing deals with every player at the table and they'll yeah. be like well something's going on and it's like well yes that is true but also like i am just trying to win the favor God, of I've everybody a lot of people to attack you at the table I'm, I'm remembering a lot of moments now of like feeling like i'm basically the cheering on the person to make that choice to yeah. fight you yeah and it's not that they're doing it for no reason it's just that they're doing it for reasons that i emphasized and called out <laughs> and painted in the sky for you know what right. i mean like they might have other options at the table but they're not seeing them yeah. because i'm saying look at yeah. what you can do if you only hurt matt and you know what's unfortunate is because it's so easy to look at me as a slimy player I don't get to pull the same tactic because every every time I'm like, look what Hunter's doing. Can't you see what he's doing? Everyone goes, shut up, you well, that's you dirt bag. That's not always true, though, because what can happen is if I try and influence too many people at once, people start ignoring me. That yeah. is totally something sure, that does sure. happen. If, if, if I seem to be pulling too many strings with people, they will get to a point where they're like, well, I, what, why should I trust you? Like, yeah, why do I yeah. have to what listen you to what you're saying? For me? Yeah, that totally happens as well. Yeah. So, this has been fun. Yeah, this has been, been very esoteric. Fun. Yeah, um, this one might be hard to follow. So, uh, p- apologies now if if this episode was was not your cup of tea. Um, the biggest thing is just like we've been playing these games of TI three, and and we kind of have accepted that we're we may never play TI three ever again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not gonna play another game before TI four comes out, and once TI four does come out, I'll probably never touch it again. So, I think. We just really wanted to, to reminisce for a little bit and, yeah. and let you in on that. Um, so, next week, um, before we get into the errata, next week we are 
we've said this before we we want to do um kind of your take on your history mm-hmm. with ti3 and really your history with ti1 and 2 as well it's just that that's oh, something yeah, that, love that i think people don't have quite as many because it seems like in the first two iterations of twilight imperium it wasn't quite such a metagamey game it mm-hmm. was more akin to games like axis and allies it was more of a strategy game um so but if you have great stories we still want to hear them and so please um submit any and all stories to us uh, you can email them to us at spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com you can just post them in the discussions that are already happening um all of our different episode posts on reddit twilight imperium and the board game geek forums uh, but we'll also i think this week we'll make a separate post that is just we'll do this on board game geek that's where most people hang out but if you go to the board game geeks general forums this week we'll have a post up that's just tell us about your favorite games of mm-hmm. twilight imperium and we're going to pull from those we want to just tell your guys' stories we'll also throw in some of our super specific stories we thought about doing that this week but um there's too much to talk about so we, we kind of are making that the second part of this um memory tour mm-hmm. of twilight imperium so we'll give some of our really specific stories we'll give a lot of yours um please be as detailed as you can that doesn't mean we will use all of your details but we want all the context so that we can adequately tell your story yeah so we can tell your story in a way that makes sense and also yeah. uh quickly i think yeah. uh i really have enjoyed doing this episode and i think i'm really going to enjoy doing next episode yes. um i think it's it was a little ambitious what we're going for which is why it it would be great for you to give us the like what you've got yeah. so that we can yeah. make something really edited and super great right. for um for, for but this has been really fun um and i'm glad to be doing that next week and then the week after that oh man will be our we played twilight imperium 4 episode with what i have to give i guess a disclaimer of if for whatever reason the shipments don't come in the timing that Ooh. it sounds like they're supposed to come in i mean the game says it releases the 16th I would assume that means the pre-order that lands on my it. doorstep the 15th or the 16th. If that doesn't, if that's not the case, then we'll have to kind of flail a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, the episode on the 20th will have to be something different. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, um, but we're kind of hoping for that to be um, the first episode where we talk about what happened in our first game and our first impressions. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump into the errata. Yeah, let's do that. Welcome to another errata goofed up. Actually, this isn't a goof one. We didn't goof. There's no, no there's no real goofs. This, this is, is more just, just con- like contribution. A, this is just more your guys' side of things. We are talking about things that you guys will miss from Twilight Imperium, which is what we covered last episode. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of getting your side of it this time. Uh, yeah. So that first first one we're gonna do is uh, from our, uh, you know, well, you know him, uh, Jada Paik. <laughs> Uh, from Board Game Geek, and he says, uh, one thing I will miss from TI3 is the option to play with orange units. Good one, Jada. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> You're giving Jada a hard time. Uh, th- You're right. Yeah, no orange. That's a big problem. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to move on. I, I actually do agree uh, with this. Yeah, me too. From the actually. sheer standpoint of, I, I wanted to bring this up because I'm the kind of player who... I do not let people in my game group choose the color that they want to play as. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to play with the color if, that is most significant to your race yes, and makes the most sense. If, yeah. if I see a player as someone who is the Sardak Nor... And they want to play blue. And they want to play blue, that's unacceptable. No, no Because way. your cardboard chips are red, so you will play as red, It also, sir. it just kind of takes away from the theme a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, you kind of need to be matched up as well Absolutely. as we can do it. And so losing a couple colors, I, I think that is a shame, um, and I want to see... Um, I mean, the, I agree. the The TI three docu or the the Space Lions documentary went into like they wanted to maybe do different pieces for every race, and I do think that's too much. But yeah, there is something to how the board looks and having kind of decently matched colors for every single one. I think is really important. Oh, actually, can I say something about that yeah. in, in particular? Uh, one thing that actually really surprised me about the documentary was how much discussion there was about the plastic units yeah as weird. if that was really because i gotta i gotta be honest i would like to say this to flancy fight as a twilight imperium player i i don't really consider that a very important aspect of the game yeah. to me as someone as a potential buyer as someone who yeah. who 
as a selling point to the game, I wouldn't be like, oh, and they've got these. It's a, it like, I mean, I like the new plastic pieces. Sure. I saw, I actually watched a video that kind of like really showed them to me and they, yeah. they, they look really good. They yeah. re- look super sleek. I'm, you know, I'm not throwing any shade. It's just like, if the focus of the development of the game like super got into like oh we got to have all these different like pieces and stuff that just wouldn't that wouldn't mean a whole lot to me at the yeah. end of the day well i think it's interesting because it's this is a weird side conversation yeah, it but is. it's um it's because the documentary was made by shut up and sit down and they're in this weird position of also wanting to do a review that covers a lot of the mechanical things and so you didn't see oh, hardly I any see mechanical conversation in that documentary because they have more content that has to come out. Right, that and they, they would is, be double dipping. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it would be very weird. Um, and so, kind of just the unfortunate side effect of that's really that's really perceptive, actually. <laughs> no, it was it was like that. That was something that was so pr- featured so prominently in the documentary. Yeah. It makes sense if you're looking at it from that yeah. standpoint. Also, uh, before we move on, Jada also mentioned that he would like pink as an option and white and white. I wish there were white pieces. Actually, white pieces would be great. And, yeah, pink, too. Whatever. You know what? Chartreuse. Ooh, fuchsia. Mm. Worm for Life said, Hylar lasers, uh, plus one to combat and destroys and cruise, was the tier one tech that everybody got in automated defense turns. Here, Okay, this is a very long point that Worm for Life makes, and it is in <laughs> our conversation about why we liked... You know what? I can't make a single point about the Yin Brotherhood without someone giving me like four paragraphs of grief. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Worm for Life, here's the deal. Yes, I agree that the whole defense auto defense turrets is not like deep in the tech tree. My point is it is not something any other race started with and no other person was ever going to get it. It was only one away from almost anybody getting it, but there was no point to getting it. And... I also just have to disagree. You said usually only Jolnar dipped down into Type 4 drives or advanced fighters. Not in our games. Yeah, we we had people playing with Type 4 drives all the time. I think a lot of our disparity um, between how we're feeling on this topic really does come down to play styles because um, you also said something like, um, Destroyers ruled the early to mid game and few players bothered with Dreadnoughts outside of the Lizix, which is I also disagree with. We had lots of players buying Dreadnoughts early. Um, maybe it wasn't always the smartest play, but yeah, that's because yeah, the point you're making is about how people played. Almost, it's I don't know, I don't, and maybe you mean something else. Uh, but we definitely had players that played with dreadnoughts. That, yeah, that, well, he's he's talking early game, and mm-hmm. and he's talking about people. the The best plan was to you build a bunch of destroyers. You kind of waste that troops, and now you're getting more money. Now you build a bunch of cruisers, and then you start throwing those at things and then mm-hmm. now you've got even more money you start throwing your dreadnoughts on the more he's kind of talking about like you upgrade your units as the game goes but like honestly it's just, it makes sense but it's not something that i think happened all the time yeah so we were always playing against people who had dreadnoughts early um but the point that i think um is really good that you made is talking about ti4 the upgrade for destroyers is too red deep um and you're not going to get that unless you go for war sons which just makes this whole yin brotherhood wanting destroyers conversation kind of even worse to me is like that is a deep tech why is the destroyer tech yeah so deep down the line when like that should be a fairly easy that should be cheap cheap tech to get um and because why not just yeah exactly i mean it's the point that he's making why not just skip it and go for war sons yeah then? Like, you should yeah and uh and i agree with your your kind of assessment of the designers seem to just with all things tech, they just seem to be trying to do like an even spread across all the colors, and it didn't always make sense. So they just said, "We haven't had a double red requirement yet. Let's let's just use that." And it doesn't necessarily seem to fit with destroyers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I think destroyers didn't get the right kind of upgrades in TI four. And my biggest point about the Yin Brotherhood last episode was just they were starting with a tech that no one else ever had any reason to get and i think that that tech was good yeah not everybody agrees that that tech was good but i do think it was a good tech yeah i and i yeah pointing out that it's something that they stopped yeah i mean basically yeah they got grabbed by my ghoulies all right uh second sg from reddit twilight from reddit twilight imperium uh said that he will miss the assembly strategy card which gave players a hand of political cards to play although i really like the new agenda phase of ti4 for two policies per round i like to use political cards more strategically than random card draws this is a point that i think has some validity but 
Thet.Bear replied saying, I've never seen a hand of political cards mean anything more than, oh right, I have one of those, I guess I won't pick one off the deck. That's one of those ideas that I think sounds better than it plays out. Yeah, because you don't really get an opportunity, you don't get much of an opportunity to prune your yeah. political card hand yeah. in any way. Um, so the conversation usually turns into just like the person who drew assembly goes, who's got a good one? And everyone kind of says, uh, yeah, this one this one will kind of work. I think this one's fun. Or, or like, ooh, I've got a really juicy one, but it might not help you specifically. And there was never like... It was hard to negotiate yeah. that. that. I think that was kind of the problem right. because like it's one of those things where like, I mean, you could meta it and try and pay somebody some trade goods yes. to get you to do that. That was, was always an option in TI3, but, like, it just... It's one of those things where it's like, I'm not sure how much you would get out of it, because then, you know, just because they played the political yeah. card doesn't mean that you're going to be able to pass your law, right? basically. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a point that I think I agreed that when I first read Assembly, I was very excited to have a hand of political cards, but it never played out for me. I, I think I agree with that. I, I think what I can see in this is more like... Like, the way, what I would say is I wish that the way Assembly had worked, like, the the way that it inspired that idea of having political cards mm-hmm. you could play, I wish that had functioned in a more, like, significant yeah. way. I think you should have just had a bigger hand of political cards. The political card deck was so big by the time yeah, Assembly why came out. Yeah, just two per player? Like, That's like should, really... why, why not just let me have five or more? Because yeah. if... if and you know what the other problem was? I didn't learn, I didn't realize this until much later, but you can spend those political cards as trade goods, and most players oh, want dude, that yeah, new that rule. You just spend them immediately because you're because it's never you're never, never going to get any incentive out of those cards anyways. They are more useful as trade goods than anything else. And so uh, the first time I ever played a game where I remembered or saw that that was an option, everyone was doing it and i was like oh yeah this is the better way to to utilize these mm-hmm. um and everyone would just start drawing off the top of the deck again and it was just like it was back to the old way so this isn't just another point in like the kind of massive thing that we've talked about with mm-hmm. ti3 and like in, in the political system being like kind of an overpromisey system yes. that didn't like quite capitalize on the amount of excitement that it generated yes. in players yeah yeah definitely so that's it that's where we'll wrap it up it was a pretty quick errata this week and uh next week again please 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 submit to us please. your stories um just and and we're talking stories of any variety we want stories of the best move you ever pulled off the most rewarding victory you ever had mm-hmm. the most rewarding you ever victory you saw somebody else get um maybe the worst loss you ever encountered um, give us stories about the biggest argument you ever had with yeah, another player. Yeah, there we go. Give us that. Give us the juicy stuff. Some, give us like play styles yes, that you've seen in yes. people that you admire or don't yeah. admire. Something I do want to say, some of the submissions we've already gotten have, a lot of them have come from this place of annoyance with how other players play. And I think some of those stories are worth telling, but I definitely do not want to only get a bunch of stories about, I played with this jerk who did this mean thing and it and it wasn't fun but it was noteworthy let's let's try to keep it fun we'll definitely include some of the like oh my gosh can you believe this but um please just we'd rather hear about players that you love versus players that you never wanted to play yeah absolutely because if if we only talked about the types of players we all hate uh, it would be a very sad episode Mm -hmm. and not a fun (laughs) way to lead into ti4 yeah so we'll definitely include a couple of those but let's let's Come on, get happy. Come on, get happy. <laughs> okay, uh, goodbye. Ugh. No, all right. Well, also, yeah, I have right. to say, you know, hit us up on Space Cats Pod on Twitter. That's, oh, yeah. That's our handle. Uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. Again, you can email us, spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. You can respond to all these conversations we're having on our board game geek posts, on our Reddit Twilight Imperium posts. Um, and rate us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on that's Facebook. already been happening a lot. Um, that's going to keep jumping us up the uh, rankings, and will hopefully eventually give us the opportunity to be able to do more stuff. The more that people know about this podcast, the more content we can get because we're already starting to build these relationships with other uh, board game podcasters out there, and we want to be able to do content with them. Uh, something I'd like to plug is uh, we've got a good buddy Omega Fourteen. Uh, I've been having lots of conversations with him this week on twitter and and i've listened to his podcast a few times he he does a grand strategy podcast where he ends up talking about twilight imperium a lot but if you if you like this kind of talk of in-depth strategies and big big games go check out omega 14 
Um, is that the name of the podcast? That's the name of the podcast, oh, Omega-14. Okay, cool, cool. um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, just keep sharing Twilight Imperium with every single person that you know. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your best friend, Mark. Tell Mark's dad. Tell Mark's dad. <laughs> tell Mark's dad's dad. You know, if you are able to... <laughs> Tell Steve Martin. Hit Steve Martin up on Twitter and tell him about Twilight Imperium. Oh, my Imperium. God. If you guys could all tweet at Steve Martin <laughs> about Twilight Imperium, if our legion of Twitter, our Twitter legion of who knows, like maybe three guys and a dog <laughs> Twitter, if you guys could all tweet at Steve Martin about Twilight Imperium every day this week. Yes. We want to hear Steve Martin's we story. We want Steve to play yeah. with us. Yeah. That's the new goal. Wow, that that came out of nowhere, and now that to me, that is huge. I care about that is gigantic. (laughs) Steve, are you out there? Thank you for listening to Space Cats, Peace Turtles, and thank you to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at BenPruntyMusic.com and BenPrunty.Bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.